So 20 years ago, our country was attacked. There were 19 terrorists who collaborated together to turn uh, commercial airliners into missiles full of innocent people. Um, two of the planes hit the Twin Towers. One of them went into the Pentagon in Washington. And a fourth plane was most likely on its way to the Capitol or to the White House, and it was brought down by some very brave and heroic Americans who were on board, and they saved the lives of countless other people. I believe that September the 11th, 2001, took fear and anxiety in our culture to new heights. It was there before, but it grew exponentially on that day. No longer did we feel safe in a nation protected by oceans to the east and the west and the south. The horrific images of that day uh, have been playing on the TV and they stay in our minds forever. Images of planes flying into buildings, images of, of buildings imploding in lower Manhattan, people jumping out of the buildings to avoid the flames, images of New York covered in rubble and debris with people running frantically in all directions across the bridges, Images of the Pentagon, our military headquarters, on fire and smoldering. However, there are some other images from that day that should also stand out in our mind. Firefighters rushing in to the towers to rescue people. Civilians risking and giving their own lives to help others who were in desperate need. Police officers carrying people out of the wreckage medical personnel tending to the wounded, prayer vigils that were held across the country on that night. On that day, we saw both evil and good. We saw the worst of humanity and we saw the best of humanity. We saw fear and we saw bravery. We saw terror and we saw hope. We saw devastation and we saw incredible resolve. We should never remember the bad images of September the 11th without also remembering the good, all the good that happened on that day and in the days that followed. But the reality is we live in a world that is full of fear and anxiety. It's a world where it seems like almost every day we wake up to news that is intended to scare us, to shock us, to enrage us, to keep us living on edge. And some people are better at blocking all of that out than others. Some of us get wrapped up in it. This fall, we're wrestling with the questions of Jesus, tough questions of faith. And we started with Jesus's question, who do you say that I am? And Peter's famous response. Then we turn to the question, what will it profit them to gain the whole world but forfeit their soul? Last Sunday, Roy and, and Chris explored the question from John's gospel, what are you looking for? And today we come back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus talks about worry and he talks about fear. He says, can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your span of life? Isn't it interesting that Jesus' longest discourse on human emotion is about worry? Yes, he does talk about many other things like grief and sadness and anger and loneliness and shame. But in the Sermon on the Mount, we find this extensive passage on worry. Now, Jesus raises other questions in the Gospels that are related to this topic. In Mark 4, the disciples wake him up in the midst of a storm 
on the Sea of Galilee, they are terrified and afraid because the winds are howling and the waves are crashing in on the boat. What does Jesus say? He says, peace be still. And he rebukes the wind and the waves. And then his, he says to his disciples, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Luke also has a version of that story. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 14, the disciples are on a boat and Jesus comes walking from the shore on the water. At first, the disciples are afraid. They don't recognize him. They think he's a ghost. But Jesus says, take heart. Do not be afraid. It is I. And then Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out and walk on the water with you. And Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat, starts walking on the water. But when he notices the wind and the waves and everything that's happening around him, he, he's, he takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts to sink. He cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches out his hand and catches him. And, and, and then he says to Peter, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Notice when Jesus or when Peter took his eyes off Jesus, he started to sink. Without question, there have been times in our lives and especially times over the past 20 months or so where we have all wanted to cry out, Lord, save me. I don't know how much more of this I can take. I don't know how many more people I can see get sick and die. I don't know how much longer I can deal with the pandemic or dysfunctional politics or racial tension. Please, Lord, save me. What I'm trying to say is that Jesus's consistent message throughout the Gospels is, do not be afraid. Do not worry. That doesn't mean that everything in life will work out the way that we want it to. We all know that that's not true. What it does mean, I think, is that God will take care of us no matter what, even if we die. A number of years ago, a bunch of therapists got together, and that could be a dangerous thing, but they got together and they were talking about the most common worries that people have at different stages of their lives. And they came up with this list that I've always found interesting. They said, at age 18, we worry about ideals, what we want to do in our lives. At age 20, we worry about our appearance, how we look. At age 23, we worry about moral issues, what's right, what's wrong. At age 26, we worry about making good impressions on other people. At age 30, we worry about our salaries and the rising cost of living in a town like Nashville. At age 31, we worry about having success in our business, in our career. At age 33, we worry about having job security. At age 41, we worry about politics. I'm 41. <laughs> At age 42, we worry about marital problems and challenges. At age 45, we worry about a loss of ambition in life, the, the midlife crisis. At age 48, we, we might worry that, that our marriages are not as strong as we once hoped they would be uh, as the kids are, are getting older. And, and then from age 50 on, the research says that we tend to worry about our health. And the funny thing is, the more we worry about our health, the worse our health gets. Now, I don't know if, if you agree with this list. There's certainly other things we could throw on there like uh, being worried about finances, being worried about our children, being worried about whether we have real friends, being worried about being stabbed in the back or disappointed by somebody. There's lots of other things we could add to this list. But it's certainly true that our worries do change with age. 
But the reality is we all worry. And typically we worry about the things and the people we care about the most. Our family members, our jobs, our friends, our health. If we didn't care, we wouldn't worry. If we didn't love others, we wouldn't worry about them. But I think Jesus is trying to say in this passage that there is a fundamental difference between caring about something and worrying about something. There is a fundamental difference between planning for something and worrying about something. Stanley Jones, who was a famous missionary and author, once said that worry is a form of atheism. He says, worry implies that there is no God who cares and can act. And yes, many people have given up on faith because God did not act or answer their prayers the way that they thought he should or would. I would argue this morning that, that Stanley's comment is a little bit harsh. I believe that, that worry is simply a, a part of the human condition, kind of like breathing and being hungry or thirsty. Life is not easy. Life is hard. It's full of heartache and disappointment and challenges. But what I think Jesus is saying in this passage is try to limit your worry. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. Doesn't God take care of them? So don't you think God will take care of you? So for me, the question is really not so much, will we worry? Because I think we do. But the question is rather, how can we reduce our worrying so that it doesn't dominate our life and ruin the present? If you dig down to the root word of the word worry, it literally means to strangle. And so what worry does is it strangles the joy and the happiness out of life. How can we keep that from happening? Well, that's what I wanna talk about this morning. So here are some thoughts on how we can try to reduce, perhaps not eliminate, but greatly reduce our worry. First thought, we must learn to cultivate a prayer life. Very few Christians pray on a regular basis. It's more sporadic when we need something, when we're panicking. And there are many reasons why this, this might be the case. Some people don't understand prayer. Some people don't know what to, what to say when they pray. But Jesus makes it very clear that you cannot have a relationship with God if you don't pray. Because you cannot have a relationship with anybody if you don't communicate. And so what prayer does is it centers us. It grounds us, it slows us down, it allows us to focus. And in a world that is so busy and so noisy and stressful and hostile and chaotic, we need this on a regular basis. The times in my life when I am praying regularly are much less stressful than the times that I neglect it. And I can't necessarily explain this except that I agree with G.K. Chesterton who once said that more things are wrought by prayer than this world will never know or understand. In Philippians 3, Paul writes, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if you are living an anxious life, if you're worrying about everything under the sun, I would recommend that you develop a prayer life and a meditation life. 
and, and a scripture routine, that will slow you down. That will allow you to tap in to the power of God's spirit. Secondly, if we want to stop worrying, we have to deal with our issue of control, or I should say issues of control. We must recognize that we are not in control of everything, and so we have to develop those spiritual disciplines that I just mentioned. Here, here's one of the problems that I've seen for years in a, a culture like Green Hills, an affluent culture. We want to have control over everything because we do control many things. But we have to come to terms with the fact that there's way more that we don't control than we do control. Uh, specifically, some of the circumstances that we are dealt and, and the actions and thoughts of other people. We can't control that. Remember the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's not just for alcoholics and addicts who've hit rock bottom, that's for all human beings. So many of us wanna pretend that we control everything in our lives, but deep down, we know that we don't. And the sooner we can accept that and come to peace with that, the better off we're going to be. You know, being a control freak will make you miserable. Miserable. So coming to terms with what you can control and what you can't control is very important. Richard Rohr, a Franciscan uh, Catholic priest, said that as we grow older, we tend to become control freaks, and we have to work against that. Third, if we want to reduce our worry in life, we must learn to be grateful. Grateful for the blessings that we have in life, even when times are hard. What does Paul say? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. It's been empirically proven through research that gratitude in life reduces anxiety. If we can be grateful for the things that we do have, a home, a family, a spouse, a church, health, friends, then that is time that we cannot spend being anxious. The most anxious people in life are often the most ungrateful. They're so focused on what they might lose that they can't even acknowledge what they have. Paul continues in Philippians, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's pleasing, whatever's commendable, if there is any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, then think about these things. In other words, every day we have a choice. We can focus on our blessings or we can focus on what might go wrong. We can focus on all the bad news, and there's plenty of it, or we can look for what is good. That's the choice that we all get to make, and we get to make it every single day. And that choice matters. Finally, the fourth way to reduce our worry in life is found at the very end of this passage in Matthew chapter 6. This is the secret. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring troubles of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. In other words, learn to live in the present, in the now. We must learn to live our lives one day at a time. 
And this is where so many of us miss the boat. We're not very good at, at presence. Presence with a C-E. We're not very good at focusing on the, the situation that we're in, the people that we're with. Our anxiety keeps us on edge. And so as Henry Nouwen says, we have, we have an address, but we are not home. <laughs> we're distracted, we're preoccupied. We're thinking about the past or we're fearing for the future, but we are not present. And I believe that Jesus wants us to be present. That's what he's saying in this passage. So many humans are guilty of what I call the future complex. I'll be happy when I graduate from high school or college. I'll be happy when I get married and find that perfect person. I'll be happy when I finally have a baby. I'll be happy when we go buy a new house, a bigger house. I'll be happy when I get a promotion at work or I'm making more money. I'll be happy when my kids go off to college. I'll be happy when I finally get to retire. But there's always been one truth. If you can't live in the present moment that you have right now, what makes you think that you're gonna be happy when you get to any particular point in the future? Spiritual disciplines matter, worship, prayer, meditation, physical exercise, listening to music, focusing intently on what you're doing at that time. We can discover that life must be lived in the present moment. We'll still have regrets. We'll still have our fears about the future. There will still be things that unnerve us and disturb us and annoy us and irritate us, but we can get to a point where that is not constant, where it's not all consuming all the time, because that's how many of us live our lives, distracted, regretting, fearful, not here. We have an address, but nobody's home. Jesus wants us to stop worrying or at least to reduce our worry. Jesus wants us to stop being afraid. Jesus wants us to have a deeper faith and a richer prayer life because I believe that he understood that life is hard and many things will happen, but worry will strangle the joy from the time that we have right now. Amen.